1: Go to slash style for free shipping and 365 day returns.
0: Hello, everybody. My name is Martin Gregg, and from Backpage, you're listening to the big interview with Graham Hunter at the Euros. It's the day of the final of Euro 2020, and I am joined by the host of the big interview, Graham Hunter. We're excited and the listeners are also excited, judging by the size of the mailbag. So we're going to dive right in with a couple of questions. One from Taylor Collard, the second from Dean. Taylor says, hi Graham and the Big Interview team. Firstly, thank you so much for your coverage throughout. Being in China, I've missed a few games because of time difference in work. But having your daily podcast has been amazing and made me feel a part of it. My question relates to the strategy of the game on Sunday. Do you feel that Denmark exposed any tactical weaknesses in England that Italy could expose, and vice versa with Italy? I look forward to hearing your breakdown as I feel your tactical knowledge and insight is outstanding and something you don't get enough credit for. Hear, here, Taylor. And here's another from Dean from the mailing list at grahamhunter.tv Dean says Good afternoon How can England gain control of the midfield With largely defensive central midfielders And stop Jorginho from influencing the game Which the Spanish did to great effect in their semi-final Really interesting questions there Graham. I guess the general theme probably is tactics Is there anything in particular that Italy and England Will have been encouraged by seeing in their opponents During their, their semi-final matches do you think?
1: Well, first of all, I mean, Taylor can't give higher praise. If you're in China or any country that's in a different time zone, feels far away, probably doesn't give as much promotion to the Euros, or you're having to listen to, a lang- listening to it in a language which is, you know, difficult to understand, then to say that we've brought it a little bit closer, well, thank you. The, the, nothing could be finer than that. So. To question them on the strategy of the game, did Denmark expose any tactical weaknesses? I'm not certain about tactical weaknesses. What I did enjoy, and what I I don't necessarily think Italy will do anything similar, is that Denmark ran at them and, and consistently ran at them. And when they won the, they they competed. You know, it, I'm not a massive fan of the current Premier League in England because I think that the the where you find quality where you find the ability to, for somebody to beat a man, where you still see sufficient amounts of football played rather than physique imposed, it is too little. But I think in the best sense, this was a really good Premier League game because Denmark understood, I mean completely understood, everything about England's style of play, everything about their opponents. And if you, Again, I make the point, I'm sorry to repeat, but if you look at where these, these Danes in the large play their football, they're in, in tactically demanding leagues, whereby it, it's not like the Premier League, where lesser teams can can compete against the big dogs, not because of budget and not because of power or athleticism, but because both the, the the coaching staff and the players have to be technically and tactically really high level. And therefore, Denmark. What Denmark? Did for my taste was that they were happy to win, they were happy to go into body versus body challenges, whether that's aerially or um, proper tackles. But in in divided balls and in not overall team pressing, but in, in competing for a ball that might be 40 60 against, Denmark did something whereby in those battles, if they won the ball, they used it quickly. It wasn't win the ball take a breather, slow it down and start to build again. It was all very instant. Now, to mix the one, they are an athletic lot, they are talented. And again, I say, if if you're spending your season and, and have spent several seasons across the Spanish, French, Italian, German, Belgian leagues then you you tend to be a player that's quite rounded. And Denmark had that all over the pitch. And what they did was they never really, or they tried to never really let um, England breathe or think. And I don't think Italy are, are really very similar to that at all. They will attempt to own possession and they will attempt to make England chase and make England turn and make England make mistakes. And I think that... I mean, because I've been so attached to Spain's campaign, I'd be a liar if I said I I can categorically swear that England haven't played a team like this yet because Germany are different. Germany are, you know, as a name or of a similar calibre, but Germany and Italy do not resemble each other At all, in my opinion. Yes, they've got coaches who want a similar level of of possession, but Germany were playing playground football. They weren't capable of imposing themselves and having the ball and running England around and playing in in well-judged, not waves, but peaks of attack. Italy are an extremely complete side. Now, they were made to look second best in terms of having possession, using possession compared to Spain, but I, I could imagine a feeling that's a little bit similar when Italy played play England. It might resemble Italy taking the Spain role and England taking the Italy role. I, I think there might be something quite similar in terms of the pattern of the game. So Taylor, you, you, you're you asking whether you think Denmark showed something. When you've got so much analysis going on, when you've got such decent brains in the Italian team, to say that they... they um, to say that they they, they won 't have learned things tactically or they won 't have learned weaknesses that's that's actually they will have done, but are they going to play the same way as Denmark and try to exploit them the same way as Denmark no they 're not and also I think that um, one of the r- really notable things about Italy is they can make you they can make you chase and and my contention that England have got more physical resources, more athleticism more resources to come off the bench that will be tested that can be tested I think and I'd also argue that I go back to my point about Luke Shaw superb tournament really bad foul he made to give away the goal that Denmark scored don't don't be giving cheap free kicks to Italy just don't you know it's a different rival again and in terms of set plays into the box for Chiellini and Bonucci particularly them not only them but also shooting at goal Don't don't give them that opportunity that's something that I think you know, Denmark, whether you say Denmark showed it or whether that's something that Shaw needs to learn, that, that will stand out for Italy. And as Mr T, Dean, how can England gain control of the midfield? It's just my opinion, Dean, that with the Italian midfield, one of the things you have to try to stop happening is, is to stop the back line, however Italy configure that back line, probably a four, feeding the, the, the midfield, letting the midfield drop back, pick up the ball or Chiellini breaking lines so in my opinion prior to the goal that Chiesa scored Chiellini was almost the most interesting Italian player on the pitch maybe not perfection like Jorginho but Chiellini is is a version of Sergio Ramos which is like yeah I can do all my job and, and, and mistakes I eat them up and spit them out if I make a mistake it will not bother me and I'll be back to resurrect our team or resurrect the game I'll win the majority of my battles, not just in terms of power, but technically I'm a smart guy. Come and have a go if you think you're smart enough. Come and have a go if you think you're Italian enough. He breaks the lines. He will consistently, just like Phillips will play ahead of Rice and and be complimentary in that sense, Bonucci will be consistently the one who's happy to cede the ball to Chiellini. And Chiellini not only broke through the the centre... As as Pep's always wanted, say Stones to do, or you know whether in his day Laporte to do. There was a moment when Keeling went to an overload, really wide out on Emerson's touchline. Suddenly made it two v one, and and as a result of the overload, w- Italy were able to 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 set. It was a third man run and set Emerson free, and it was the one where Emerson, I think. Um, not necessarily when we hit the bar just before the first half ended, but his run prior to that, where he marauded in on the box. And if anybody wants to go back, and I think Dean, this helps to answer your question, if anybody wants to go back to the Italy, Switzerland, I'm sure, take a look at how often Chiellini thought he was an inside forward, and not at set plays. Chiellini's daring, and that's why I, I compare him to Ramos. It looks... Hell for leather. It looks completely headless chicken. But again, percentage-wise, given the number of times he does it and doesn't get punished for it, you have to assess that it's well-judged or that there's a system whereby people will, will step in and cover for him. Or maybe they just generally don't give the ball away very much. But Chiellini in the first game, subsequently he then got injured and he has had to fight his way back and Italy have gone into knockout games and he does it a little bit less, in a less cavalier fashion. Chiellini is a rogue element. Now, do England have the people to close him down? Harry Kane doesn't want to be chasing a centre-half all over the pitch. Harry Kane doesn't even put a lot of pressure on centre-halves. And why? Was it because he's not taught to or because he hasn't got that in his game if he's still going to be winning matches for England? So, Dean, as much as you might think, or in my opinion at least, denying a successful, organised, talented midfield like Italy's by um by going to to uh Phillips and Rice uh, and maybe spreading out horizontally rather than the vertical way they played maybe maybe that's it. maybe you're thinking that as in if do you remember Dean in the first season of um Jorginho in the Premier League where I say again you know, Rob Moore and I were just were purring over the, the I heard a lot of TV and radio pundits saying, just put a man on Jorginho and Chelsea can't play and, and you watch the same game as they've been watching and you saw Jorginho still playing under pressure. And maybe those around him not yet being good enough, not yet being systematic enough to play Sarri's football. But Jorginho remained brilliant under pressure. He's an exceptional footballer. Back then, uh, OK, I'd seen bits of him at Napoli because when you've got free time, you'll dip into other leagues that you're not watching professionally and say, well, that, or what's that for fun? And Jorginho at Napoli... You know, really enjoyable but I didn't see enough of him to understand him the instant I saw him at Chelsea I was able to watch him a little bit more I encouraged to watch him a little bit more you thought like Barcelona missed out there and Pep missed out because he wanted him at City and that was the that was the Busquets replacement player given his age that he should still be at the camp now at the moment well done Chelsea, well done Chelsea, what a gem but I, I don't believe that with the, the Rice Phillips shield, that it's all down to them to stop Italy having defence excuse me, midfield control. And I also believe that the way where the way that the, the Italy's fullbacks can play and often play like wing backs with only two left at the back, which gives you that without you know having three centre halves, it gives you that overload in midfield. England's job there is going to be extremely difficult and it's patently clear that one of the ways that England, England can do that Dean is that they must whether Gareth Southgate trusts to two at the back in the middle or three in the middle the two wide defenders whether they're playing in a four or a five have to be advanced they have to think like wing backs in my opinion to equal the numbers and equal the ability to challenge in midfield and then that's for Southgate to reckon. if we do that let's say with You know, Walker and Trippier, or let's say, um, you know, I I don't necessarily see Reese James hasn't had an awful lot of time at the moment, but Shaw is clearly somebody whose ability, when you give him time or when he's in a high position, is wonderful. But I'm still a little bit concerned about his engine to be up and down, up and down, like a wing-back in a four all-game. So already you see areas where Italy think, you know, we can impose ourselves, and with our quality, we can win that. And and Luis Enrique, before the game, in the semi-final, said the first battle is possession. I'd love to hear Southgate's, you know, final briefing that he's willing to share with the public about what he's asking his players. Is it don't win possession and pick off mistakes and break, which England are eminently capable of doing, or is it compete for possession? Like Lucien Riqui said, the first battle is possession. I'm not sure if that's England's game, personally. I, I, I'm Genuinely, I'm not. I, I think the way that they're set up, I think that the personnel that they've got, the idea is, is pounce in a certain area of the pitch. Make sure you don't hand over complete super superiority in the middle of the pitch by putting your wing-backs forward and then pounce and break. And I, I think that's the pattern of the final.
0: Yeah, I think this kind of leads quite nicely into our next couple of questions Chris Monroe and Roy Irvin This is Chris, he says Boy, it's not just Graham and the team I spent all day thinking Italy would beat Spain until I saw the lineups And saw Luis Enrique had went with the false nine approach What a masterstroke The Italians have been superb at defending the box and been solid But the movement interchanging along with the quickness of passing and marking space Rather than a striker really unsettled them Do you guys think England will start Saka and Sterling to try and have the same effect? And will Italy prove a step too far with a combination of solid defending, quick transitions from defence to attack and also ability to keep the ball in midfield with their technicians such as Verratti, Jorginho and Barella as we saw England struggle with that against Scotland in the early stages against Germany. Cheers lads, keep up the brilliant work. And this is from Roy Irvin, he says Do you think Foden will start, Graham? In terms of ability, there's not much difference between Foden, Sancho and Saka but Foden strikes me as a more accomplished footballer out of the three and I think that's down to Pep. And you could also throw in the fact that Foden has been involved in a lot of high-pressure games with high stakes as opposed to the other two. Whew, so, plenty, plenty there. I like this, the false nine... Masterstroke the other night was Was just so exciting Saka Sterling, Foden I mean we're maybe may talking about throwing in A wee tactical surprise here Can you see anything like that on the horizon?
1: But but Martin Martin, I mean Chris isn't on the line So I'm, I welcome the I welcome the chat But how do I mean, let, Let's not muck about what we're we talking about Martin Dropping Harry Kane Do you know because The the, the false nine um, Neither involved What Saka or Sterling do for England at the moment The false nine Much though Spain listed it as being Oyer Because they listed it with him in the central position It wasn't, it was Olmo And I know how much Olmo impressed you on the night Now Olmo's a striker come attacking midfielder In that he can play both roles But he was the central one Okay, there were moments when, for example In the second half, Oyer ran through at 1-1 in the central position, missed a, missed an easy header where a slightest touch goes in. Over the night, almost was the false nine, and I thought, and I'm and, and Chris, I'm only mentioning this analytically to to toss forward into tonight's game, the Sunday night's game, and 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 your question. Listen, I'm taking on trust that you don't think all of you don't think I'm an arsehole who bigs himself up after matches. But I tell you the truth because d- during the match, I was absolutely clear that the not only the surprise value of the false nine, but also the way in which the three players up front had interchanged and stretched Italy had earned its dividends and that long, long after Spain had owned the ball and owned midfield and made Italy chase and made Italy frustrated, it was time to have at least one of the number nines on, Gerardo Morata, and in the end, he brought them both on quickly, but I think he was ten minutes too late. And I think the game was for the winning with that change earlier on, with the amount at which Spain were confident, bossing possession, and using the ball well. Now, if you're saying if you're asking, should there be a false nine, where does Kane fit in your false nine, Chris? Does it mean that we actually do some of the things that England do some things we've been talking about and let Kane play a little bit more as a 10 and that he's the false nine and that he drops down a little bit and asks Italy, Kylian Bonucci, do you want to come and find me or not? And the key thing there is he's got the ability that Almo has. If you, if you look at the Spain goal, for example, which I just thought was sublime, sublime goal, I think it's Laporte who makes the pass from just outside his own penalty area to Morata, who's Kane in this analogy, and Marat has dropped so deep. You know, he's he's really just over the halfway line. But because he's the centre forward, he's become an extra man in midfield. So he's dropped into a space whereby there's nobody marking him and Laporte can find him easily off that left-footed pass. Now, at that point, what happens is marat has got to control it properly, turn and instantly push, and he does. And his run is good, but his release is good. And therefore, almost, look at his almost body shape. Almost body shape is perfect for. He doesn't need to do any work other than just a slight control touch and pass into Maratta's path, at which point Maratta has to keep his head and he does. I, I believe he, he gives the keeper the eyes. Don Ruma thinks it's going to his left, it goes to his right, blah, blah, blah. If you're proposing, Chris, that um, either Kane can do what Maratta did, which is not the false nine, he just dropped really deep and linked. But when Maratta came on, Olmo didn't move out of the centre that much. He didn't suddenly go on playing wide. And I think that's where they got the dividend, that's where they got the goal. So it depends what you mean about like, does Kane drop into ten and you maybe see Saka or um pardon me, Saka and Sterling running beyond, that's your point. And 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 being these guys who pop up in the nine position completely to confuse Chiellini and Bonucci. And, and what we did learn is Chiellini and Bonucci, Chiellini and Bonucci didn't really want to go back and drop with Almo very much. They they were happy to patrol him from where they were and say, okay, can you do anything? And overall, they won the bet because if, when Olmo went deep a couple of times, he shot wildly over Sodere or Thabal. And by and large, across the piece, apart from the fact that it ended 1-1 after 120 minutes, by and large, Chiellini and Bonucci won their bet. So Chris, it's down to you. Uh, we we won't use it in another episode. But if you want to follow up and say who you think, how do they do that? That false name, um, and 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 where you suggesting that it's that it's that it's Foden or Mount, which links us um, into Roy's question about should Foden start? And I I I think the answer is yes. It's it's patently clear what a star Bukayo Saka is he's made goals he was man of the match in the first game that he started when Foden came on the other night the way in which he is patently bursting with energy and inspiration and enthusiasm he reached a point at the end of the season where that one Unbelievable tackle on him By I think Rudiger In the Champions League final When he was about to use He he did in fact use The outside of his left foot To finish It would have been For a guy of that age At that stage in the European Cup final It would have been unbelievable And it made it to me The second most important moment Of the final beyond the goal Foden probably reached That stage of the season In my opinion A little bit tired Mentally I think Rather than physically I think that's gone and I look at him and I do see however he's used Roy, I do see him as a jack in the box player who can do that that golden thing. He can link play like with one touch and open it lay up and he can run beyond and we've seen that he's got goals that he's got the goal scoring um, knack of timing, knack of finishing. I think he is a big occasion player. it's increasingly been shown that if I can if I'm not wrong, I think he gets played in the, the City Spurs match immediately after the City Spurs elimination in the in the Champions League, and I think he scores in that game. And that's a couple of seasons ago now, and 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 it showed that with everybody else feeling a headache and sore and having been knocked out, Ford and popped up again. If I've cl- if I've plucked that that stat out of my mind and made it up, um, please send the rotten fish to to Backpage Press. There'll, there'll be an address at the end of the. Uh, but the answer is yes, I hope so. I think that they've, they've got such purchase out of Sterling that unless the, the GPS numbers say that Sterling's about to, to collapse in an exhausted heat, he, he, you don't drop him. But would I like to see a formation in which um, Foden starts, then unquestionably I would. Is it ahead of Mount? I think maybe it is, yes. And I do see Foden, and I will not let this go, I do see Foden and Grealish as being players who are likely to make an impact in winning this final for England.
0: Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? Penultimate question actually is from the newly married Will McLeod And I think this could always take take us into the Bet365 player of the day slot as well Will says Another slightly mischievous question today please I was delighted by Graham's brief pod portrait of Chiellini After Italy's semi-final win And in the space of a few words the scales fell from my eyes On a player I hadn't appreciated enough I had a damascene moment earlier in the tournament about England too I don't need to prove my love for Super John McGinn and the boys with bitter hatred of the English, do I? Can you help me, Mr. Hunter, by similarly eulogising an undervalued gem in this England team, please?
1: It's nice to have reached um, uh, the, the place that other podcasts can't reach with Will. And Will, uh, I'll tell you that although, I mean, the, the background for the Barca book was was strange in itself because it began on a bus journey from Barcelona to Girona and took wing there afterwards in a very menacing um, Sterling Hayden-style Italian restaurant in uh, in central Glasgow, where there was a snub-nosed revolver with a taped handle um, left with adhesive hanging from the toilet tank. And one of the two people who were, were threatening me in that moment is on is on this podcast and just by a process of deduction you'd be able to work out. It's not me. But the reason I, I say all this well is that the Bursa book became a film, Take the Ball, Pass the Ball, because Duncan McMath insisted to his wife's great glee on reading uh, that book of ours during his honeymoon. So... Well, I'm really saying to you, if you've got a film idea above and beyond your mischievous questions, cough it out, son. Cough it out. Now's the time. Otherwise, one of these two will go to the, the toilet and he will come back shooting. You follow? So having made well an offer that he um, can't refuse, Chiellini, one of the things I said about Chiellini was that he pledges 1% of his, uh, his salary to, to Common Goal. And it's interesting because a day ago, Adidas football... Um, teamed up with Common Goal, and the general idea is to create a better future together. and, and Adidas pledged one percent of global net sales from footballs to Common Goal until twenty twenty three. Now I'm guessing I think, having made some inquiries, that's about a million pounds a year. And what's happened immediately thereafter is that Manchester United have declared support, and Juventus have declared support, and and Chiellini was there early, very early. And usually the common goal process is that they go on canvas, they, they look for contacts, they they don't just uh, blanket approach every footballer, they work out which kind of footballer based on the profile of what they've read about them or what people that they know know about them, other perhaps initiatives that these players have been involved in. They try to target clubs or, or footballers that seem they might seem as if they might be willing to say, okay, We'll back you. 1% is a small amount. We get a tax break on that 1%. We'll do something with our money. Chiellini wrote to Common Go. Chiellini approached Common Go and said, By the way, why have you not come to me? I hear about this. This is. So, well, the, the, the tiny description I made about Chiellini, who's funny and multilingual and interesting and liked by everybody who knows him, and and, and is the. Along with me, is probably your your archetypical "don't judge a book by the cover." Because my cover is not very pleasant. And Keelan, he looks as if he he could have starred in um, some like it hot, you know, straight out of Spats Colombo's mob, but he's not. And if I read your, if I understand your correction, your, your question correctly, Will, and my understanding of your question is really that if you're just giving me a platform to rant about Rashford. Rashford's stance against child poverty, against child hunger, Rashford's ability to say to the government, that's not good enough. No, I'm not having that. If you've got, you got local MPs, if you've got councillors, if you've got social workers, if you've got media columnists all throughout the country arguing with his passion and intelligence and articulacy, at what age, with what background, we'd, we'd have a decent country to live in. United Kingdom, not just Scotland. You know, Marcus Rashford should be carried on in some sort of sedan's onto the pitch, not off the pitch when he's substituted on and off. And every person, Italian, worldwide or Britain, when he comes onto the pitch, should stand up and applaud until their hands hurt. So, well, come on. It's Rashford.
0: Undervalued gem and bet 365 player of the day is Marcus Rashford. Final question goes to George Kirin from the mailing list who says, If it goes to penalties, how does Harry Kane deal with Giorgio Chiellini's coin toss tactics? He's got to have a plan going
1: into it. So, what's Harry Kane's plan? George, I'm not taking issue with you or Martin here, but watching that live, I thought that Jordi Alba was the protagonist, and I think George, Jordi Alba was, um, which who could be Georgie too actually? From from Georgie to Jordi, it's the same name. Um, I thought Jordi Alba actually accused Chiellini of trying to influence the referee because there was a there were. If I'm not wrong, there were two uh, coin tosses. One was determined at which end. And the other was to determine who would shoot first. And the, the fucking thing is, as soon as... I mean, I said it the other night on a podcast. I knew, well, at least I was certain, that in, in the instance where First Taker shifts the percentages so highly towards Italy... Jordi Alba I think Chiellini I think people have slightly, and I'm not defending Jordi Alba against the talents I think there's been a misinterpretation because big old Chiellini it looked like that sort of um, Ronnie Barker Ronnie Corbett John Cleese sketch didn't it where they all stand there in their bowler hats and umbrellas and the times tucked under there uh, but Ronnie Corbett's in his worker's jacket and his peak I, I, I'm working class I know my place and Ronnie Barker goes I look down on him and but I look up and John Cleese is 6 foot 4 and the uh, and I looked down on both of them. I think because Chiellini was a big old brute and Jordi Alba could fit in his pocket and all that pish. Jordi Alba was going, oh, ref, this boy's cheated. That was tails. And I think Jordi started it. And Chiellini was like, aye, wee man, aye, aye, okay, that's fine. And that's something that's how I read it. And one, if you don't go to penalties, Chiellini can't do it. Two, is Chiellini definitely going to be in the pitch? Three, Jordi Alba didn't take a penalty. So I I, I just viewed that... As a nice wee slice of entertainment, just like Luis Enrique and K's are having a little bit of fun on on the side of the pitch. But but Georgie boy, do, do you think that won the shootout? Georgie didn't did, didn't take one a life flip and should have done. Long and short is, if it comes down to penalties, and I, I would sign right now for a decent game, a goal or two apiece and penalties, because England being tested on penalties after the Raheem Sterling outcry, the Azerbaijani linesman, England going to penalties and having to beat Italy and flipping Donnarumma, who I don't know, I don't know whether the goalposts get fitted for Donnarumma, you know, as it lets, which, is there enough room to write, sir? Because he fills them. You know, what? I think he gets his own fitted goals. England having to score more times than Italy for the penalty spot and beat Donnarumma, if, if they do that and they lift that trophy... I will bare-knuckle fist fight in a fairground ring. Anybody who says they don't, they don't deserve it. So Georgie boy, never mind Keelani and Kane. Let's have a 2-2 draw after 120 minutes. Drama, tears, blood and snotters. The hats, the scarves and the macaroon bars. And then the, and then the European championship sorted out from the elf metre spot. And then it's one of them. Italy, Italy, England, England. Alice, East, by.
0: <laughs> okay folks that's another show in the bag thanks to our socials and our subscribers on the mailing list at grahamhunter.tv for their questions if you didn't hear your question Tom Lee Damon Maine, I'm speaking to you then we will address them in our end of tournament Q&A next week I hope you enjoyed today's show and most of all enjoy the final bye for now